to Gross Anatomy. This is Dr. Jason Cohen, and you're with Gross Anatomy. Or are we with Gross Anatomy? Or this is Gross Anatomy? I don't know. And today we're going to talk about the smells, sights, and sounds of medicine. And I am joined by... Jacqueline. Oh, that was my cue. No, but what did okay. you say? As always. Yeah, as always. As always. Yeah. By... <laughs> Jacqueline. And Lauren. And today's topic comes from mainly... Um, I just watched... I only got... I must confess, I only watched the first 30 or 45 minutes of... Pose. 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 I got through an episode. Who's that? Ryan Murphy. Yes. I thought it was great. I, I concur. I thought the music was amazing. I thought the whole 70s thing was amazing. But that's not why we're talking about it. Why we're talking about it is this new awareness of and not just new awareness of, but I guess acceptance of and mainstreaming of the transgender community. Yeah. Right? Right. Yes. Right. Yes. And so what's interesting is my partner more than I, but I am involved as well, uh, more and more in assisting in some of these transgender surgeries, um, in uh, helping do the male to female or female to male uh, parts of the operation. As a total side note, uh, I'm raising three daughters, and I recently bought this book recommended by a patient of mine, and I should know the title, and, but I don't remember, but we could always check that, about how to raise daughters. And it's taken me a while to read it, but a big topic is not just, is kind of the difference between boys' brains and girls' brains and trans brains and and different gender kind of associating brains and it's really interesting stuff. So what are we talking about today? <laughs> We're talking about the trans community. Yeah, we thought it was extraordinarily interesting, these operations that you guys are doing. And then likewise there's so much about it um, in you know in the news. In the news and the media mm-hmm. now on TV series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the show you were talking about, Pose, is the biggest trans cast that there's ever been on a TV show. So it's a big deal. Right. And trans actors are getting more parts and shows. Um, so Yeah. But interesting enough, go ahead. What was, what's been happening? Oh, today Scarlett Johansson got a lot of heat because she got cast as a transgender male in a new film that's going to be called, I think, Rug, Rub and Tug. And Interesting topic. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's about a prostitution ring. Um, but so a lot of trans actors, transgender actors are coming out and they're saying, we don't get offered your roles. Why should you, you be taking yeah. ours? Interesting. Why should you be taking our, like the only parts we can go for? Um, since she's, I think, how you say it? Side gender? S-C-I-S Cis? Cisgender? I don't know how it's pronounced. But that's like, yeah. That's Is that a, what she considers herself? No, that's oh. what a lot of transgender people say. Uh, like, they're like, it just basically means that they identify with their gender that they were given at birth. Got you. And so that's they call it. Term. Yeah. So I keep seeing that everywhere. Cisgender. One of my favorite patients, I don't know if this has anything to do with anything at all. One of my favorite patients uh, was a transgender patient 
who um, gave me this awesome cane, and in the cane you unscrew the handle and you pull it out and it's a dagger. Um, but that patient, am I confusing that patient with a different one? I had a couple of trans patients and one of them used to tell me how, how she was one of the first trans out there people that really put themselves out there pre-RuPaul and pre, I think RuPaul is really the first one to put, put herself out there. Um, and it, it almost seemed the patient was quite sad or felt that if only she had been noticed or got some recognition. And, and I think she was one of those people who were at the shows who were involved in the pose shows mm -hmm. is kind of the sense I got. I mean, this was years ago, so none of that stuff really came up, but she always used to tell me how she was the first. Um, but um, she also seemed like she always kind of had to hide a little bit. And it's too bad that she didn't come up now, you know, as opposed to back then um, when it was so much harder. Yeah. It's nice to see a lot of people feeling more empowered to come out and not have to hide. I have a, a niece who's having, you know, an identity gender issue. And I couldn't, I, you know, I couldn't imagine now she's doing great and progressing through it and everything. But going from 12 years old till, you know, I don't know, Caitlyn Jenner came out at 55 or 60 how old is she now like yeah that. like your entire life just having to hide and not feel comfortable with yourself so and what's interesting is so there's a big surgeon here at the hospital where I work who really is one of the pioneers of doing not the pioneers but really at the forefront of doing the surgery and recently the other day we got into a discussion with him about the different types of surgeries that male to females can have in terms of how far they want to go in terms of the transitioning. Um, and one of my partners who's a colon and rectal surgeon helps to make these the vagina and he uses a piece of colon uh, to help make the vagina with this, with this urologist who does the surgery. And uh, the discussion is some just have the male parts removed and that's enough for them. Some don't even necessarily do that. Some have um, no, uh, some just kind of make like a little invagination, like a small little chamber that you can't necessarily have sex with, but you'll feel, you'll feel like a woman, but then some want the whole um, neo-vagina to, <laughs> to be made. And it's, it's, these are hard, tricky surgeries. They're not easy surgeries. There's potentially a lot of complications, but these people, and, and recently there was a patient who had had a ton of other abdominal surgery, but just really, so which put that patient at risk for getting um, the, the neo-vagina made because you have to go back into the abdomen, move around their intestines, re-hook re stuff up, and recreate it, but they just really wanted it, understanding how risky it was just to feel like a woman. And the interesting thing that he was saying to us is that even though a lot of these patients have the surgery or have part of the surgery, it's not even necessarily to have sex. It, it's more to just feel fully like a woman, which is really fascinating. Um, 
really fascinating. Yeah, well, was, like we were just watching, um, what was the show? Um, Queer Eye. Eye. Mm-hmm. And they had a, a, a trans yeah. uh, woman to male, right? right. Yeah. And she w- had what they call top surgery, where they w- removed her breast. And she was explaining that, or sorry, he was explaining that uh, what it meant to him just to physically be able to, he didn't even like touching people because when he embraced them or he hugged them or someone brushed against them, he knew that, you know, they could feel his breast and he hated it. So mm-hmm. just having the top surgery, no matter how many thousands of dollars it put him in debt, just made him feel that much better in his own body because now he wasn't ashamed to tug or to hutch or anything mm-hmm. like that. And it was, it's mind blowing just to even think that like, you know, physical contact with people, let alone having this identity crisis would so be, I can imagine. you think people are more comfortable like talking to their doctors about these things because there's more advancements or do you think just society is more embracing like do you think I don't really know if society is more embracing I think it's just more out there I think some of the society is more embracing I think it's still very taboo I think up till recently we've had sometimes trans patients who have come in and haven't even told us you know, you take a history who don't even necessarily tell us about what parts they have down there and you go to examine them and you're like, whoa, you know, not expecting one versus the other. Although I don't know if a patient is obligated to say that, who knows, but you know, sometimes a patient will come in with a hernia and you expect to see one kind of body part and you see the other. And it's interesting, the patient, I don't know if it's, the patient's comfortable so doesn't say or uncomfortable so doesn't say mm. but oh, okay. I, I don't know it, it's coming out more and more I think it's still very difficult and very challenging I think it's gonna be for a long time I think sex in general is a weird topic I, I don't think it matters if it's if it's gay straight trans transgender it's it's an odd topic and I think I think it should be allowed to be an odd topic if it if people want it to be. I think, but if people want are able to and want to speak freely about it, that's okay too. Um, did that answer your question? Yeah, it did. I was just curious too about like the healthcare industry. Like, is insurance now covering it versus they didn't used to? So that blows my mind. I must confess. So insurance is covering these transgender surgeries which I think is amazing on the one hand, but on the other hand, as a taxpayer, also confuses me a little bit. I don't know what to think of it because it means our tax dollars are paying for these surgeries sometimes. So, are paying for these surgeries. So, I must confess, it confuses me. Are they, are they okaying it under like a... Body dysmorphia um, uh, yeah, is what the diagnosis body is. Dysmorphia. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that's wrong. Is that a psych diagnosis? No, it's it's not a psychiatric diagnosis, but, it, it, but it's like it's a, hel- a man was born with the wrong body parts and it needs to be fixed. Okay. I, I think there are very few doctors in surgeons in America doing this procedure. I think you could go to other parts of the world and find people. I think in Thailand, it's much bigger. Um, but there are, you could probably count on, on one's hands how many people are doing the surgery, at least doing it well. You know, there's some people, there are a lot of plastic surgeons doing the cosmetic parts, like you said, doing the, the breast removal, um, 
but in terms of the recreating the 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 penis and the vagina, I think there are very few surgeons who are doing that and doing it well. It's mostly done by urologists. Some plastic surgeons are doing it. Some gynecologists are doing it. Interestingly, it's a little bit of a turf war um, as to who's the best person to do it, who should be doing it, who shouldn't be doing it. Um, the guy that we're assisting here is a urologist who's doing it uh, in our neck of the woods. Is, is it, it safe? So there's definitely risk. I, I mean, these are big procedures usually. They often involve a, a plastic surgeon as well to do a lot of the micro uh, vascular part of the surgery too. Um, there are definite complications. Sometimes these patients need multiple procedures. Sometimes they're not necessarily healthy. Going in to operate on someone's colon is a major deal to electively operate on someone's colon. I was gonna colon. say, is that why not a lot of people are doing it? Because it's so tricky or because it has so many risks? I think it's or? new. I think it's a new, much newer thing. There aren't a lot of people in the country, maybe even in the world, using the colon to, to recreate a vagina. I think it's, it's a big deal. And, and it's not an easy surgery. It's kind of tricky. Um, back before laparoscopy, you'd have to have a big giant cut up and down your entire abdomen to have the surgery done. And the colon basically has poop in it. So it's a dirty thing and you have to unhook it, take a little piece of it and bring that down and hook that up to make a vagina, then rehook the ends of your colon back. It's like plumbing, rehook that back together. Um, so it's a big surgery. These days we're able to do it laparoscopically with scopes and cameras that make it a lot more attractive to someone so that they don't have big incisions on their abdomen. But I think even still, people are gonna want it done. Are you using the robot since you're in the public? We're using the robot a little bit, for sure, um, or laparoscopic, but it's, it's usually, that's only one phase of the surgery, is the colon part, and then the urologist will recreate the urologic component down in the pelvis with a plastic surgeon. So these surgeries could sometimes take um, easily six, 10, 12 hour surgeries, and usually there are multiple surgeries to kind of fine tune and nip tuck uh, to kind of get uh, everything looking just right. But the cosmetic outcome has been amazing and patients are happy. But sometimes we have to redo things, sometimes it's just not perfect. It's really a challenging, challenging surgeries. Yeah, I would wonder if you would be afraid of like lawsuits, like litigation too, like in something so new, practicing something. Yeah, you know, these people know what they're getting into. There's a huge consent process. Oh, they, okay. There's a lot of explaining. There's a lot of talking about it. And these people, you know, they're doing it. There's a real need, you know, they're not, and, and, I help run a program for pre-med students, and we're allowed, we, we have our pre-med students, one of them gets to shadow the surgeon, the ur urologic surgeon, and the pre-med students often tell us how happy she sees, uh, he or she sees the patients after their surgery, how they're really different people, and they just feel more like the way they're supposed to feel, so they know what they're getting into risk-wise, but um, it makes it worthwhile. The, the other point I just wanted to talk about that, that I've always wondered about with trans patients is a lot of these patients are going on hormones. Um, 
a male is taking female to male to female is taking female hormones. Female to male is taking male hormones. And I'm always interested in, and I don't know if it's really been looked at so much, the cancer incidences of these patients now that they're taking other hormones uh, to see if a male to female is gonna have this increased risk of breast cancer or a female to male might have an increased risk of, they don't have a prostate so you won't see that, but some other types of cancer because they're taking testosterone. And would a female to male who maybe hasn't, I mean a male to female, a previous male who's, who's, who's um, transitioned to being a female, who's taking female hormones, who still has a prostate, what's their incidence of prostate cancer? Is that gonna go down? And these are just interesting things to think about, just totally separate from the whole, uh, this whole topic, but it's just a topic that interests me, um, that if I had the time, uh, and we've talked about starting to maybe look at it to see what the data is. Starting to collect data, well, yeah. What is the data now, like in a regular, a male that's like taking testosterone to like, I don't know, get bigger muscles, like do they have, they automatically have higher I don't. Cancer? I'm not sure if they have so much a higher risk of cancer, but if a cancer develops, the speed with which that cancer will grow increases significantly. Not so much necessarily testosterone, but growth hormone. Okay. Um, you know, men or even women taking human growth hormone may have an increase, uh, either incidence of cancers or certainly cancers may just take off like wildfire, possibly. Wow, that's scary. I must say, that a lot of what we discuss here may not be backed by science. It may be just our opinions, things we hear, things we see. And a lot of what we're talking about, the reason why we're talking about it is to kind of address these questions that we see in pop culture, in the media, in movies, that everybody's always like, huh, does that really happen? Could it happen? How could it happen? Back to this one patient of mine that I had years ago, one of my favorite patients. Actually, the patient always used to come to me and go, I think the patient was from South America and had this sweet accent. And the patient always used to go to me, doctor. And I always used to go, or the patient would go, so doctor. And then I would go, patient. And the patient would crack up for some reason. I know, just found it so funny, but I never really knew how to address the patient. I think the patient was born a man, but I think considered herself female, but never really, the name was kind of a man's name, but also the patient had a female name. And it was hard for me, because I never totally knew how the patient wanted to be addressed, because the patient never said to me how they wanted to be addressed. And, and I think staff, had addressed the patient both ways, as Mr., as Ms., um, and it's a really hard topic, I think, for all of us, for everybody, in terms of how people want to be addressed, how to address people. It's certainly got to be hard for the people themselves who are, who it's probably new for their identity to how they want to be addressed. That was the other big thing on that queer eye, the marker on his ID. It was a very big 
thing right. for him to be able to have it changed from female to male and have now the I M. Think they can, right? They can, but yeah. he said it was just the most. The first time he right. went in to try to change it, you have to have all this documentation, and even then, they called the supervisor over right. and the DM. They basically made him leave and said, "Until wow. you have all your stuff, don't come back in here." And they wow. were very rude, and so he's having all this anxiety about going back in. But then, actually showing his ID at the reveal party with all of his friends, he got to walk in as a male and yeah. be yeah, confident that it's said. Right. Yeah. And I think tolerance on both ends needs to happen. And I understand I'll get annoyed sometimes, but I'm not going to get angry about it. I'm not going to. Right, and people There's a difference mistakes. between confusion yeah. right. and deliberately yeah. or, right. you know, not right. addressing someone appropriately. You know what does bother me, interestingly? And I guess it goes, I don't like being Mr. Cohen. Mm. Either call me Jason or call me Dr. Cohen. I earned, you know, if you're going to give me a title, <laughs> give me my right yeah. title. And maybe, that, maybe that's the same thing about, uh, you know, about the trans community, too. They kind of feel like if you're going to give me a title... Make it the right one. Make it the right one. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I made a mistake once on a film set. The makeup artist was obviously, you know, becoming a man, and I referred to her as she, she, and I felt so terrible. I was, like, really hoping that he didn't hear me, but... Yeah, I was. It's a learning thing. It just like came out. As a out. kid, one thing yeah. my mother always did with us, she hated. It became a popular expression, and I think people still use it now, um, saying like, "Oh, that's gay." Right. My mother, if you said that in her house, it was end all be all. You got grounded for that worse than missing curfew. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I, the education of it, and I, you know, I had a mother who was just aware and had gay friends. And I just think that these are conversations that we should be having, but people like I. I mean, people should be having, like, with my parents, who are even more confused about um, the trans community. But it's hard. Uh, it's hard to talk about yeah. it, because you definitely don't want to offend anybody. You want to be very sensitive about, you know, the, the topic and the subject. But at the same time, you want to educate yourself. You want to know. Right. You want to ask. You're curious. It's, you know, it's, it's a new thing, like you said. So it's like being a kid. You want to... Yeah. You want to ask questions? You want to find out? You want to And I'm raising these daughters, cry. and I want to make sure I nurture them. I, them I don't properly. know how they're going to turn out and what they're going to be, and I want to make sure I've provided enough guidance and support for them to be comfortable with whatever they're going to do. And that freaks me out that I'm not being... We're complicated creatures. <laughs> What's that? Women are complicated creatures. Oh, yeah. But... but who knows what orientation yeah. they're going to have, or oh, it stresses me out. I just want to make sure that they feel safe and comfortable and be able to. What lucky to fly, little girls can know? I say? Because uh, what lucky little girls that you're so yeah that you're reading these books, reading these are, books, and you're yeah. so involved, and it gives you anxiety, and you're stressed out about who you know providing yeah, the proper say, environment for, for them. These books, but you know, in reality, who knows. Yeah. But in reality, it means you love them and you want them to oh, be safe. My dad cool. would never read a book <laughs> on how to raise a little girl. Yeah. Never. I mean, that's just who he is, but... Uh, yeah, I don't yeah. either. That's amazing. Well, if you don't like the environment, get out. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's I think it was awesome. New Jersey governor actually today signed a, a bill that says that um, trans people can now change their birth certificate and their death certificate to wow. say what gender they identify with. Wow. So things are definitely changing. Definitely changing. 
That's it for this week. Thanks for listening to Gross Anatomy, and be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes so you can check out more episodes on the evolving sights, smells, and sounds of medicine.